0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Before we begin, let me tell you quickly about Peterson Toyota, who is the largest dealership in Northern Colorado, and they've been doing it for 50 years. They have the best selection at the best prices, and their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. Stop in and ask for General Manager Mike Kroos, who is a CSU alum, diehard fan, and a great partner to RamNation.com. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Enjoy the show. (music) Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. Hope everybody out there in Ramland is doing well. I am Joel Canelamessa, joined by Mike Rowe. We are fully entrenched in no man's land now. We have no football, no hoops to speak of. Uh, So that's a bummer, but I'm glad that the warmer months are here. I'm glad we're climbing out of the pandemic, getting back to normal. It'll be a good summer. Looking forward to that. And uh, leading into the fall where I'm I'm expecting an exciting uh, football season. I think there's some reason to be optimistic. Uh going forward, just a uh, programming note, probably won't be recording podcasts each week through the summer. We'll look to maybe come on a couple times a month, get some good guests on during that time. You know, if uh, we may go one a month, none a month, <laughs> we'll just see how it goes. We'll see how guests uh, line up and, and see if there's good stuff to talk about. But uh, today we've got a great guest coming on, former whiteout From the 2002 to 2005 seasons, David Anderson is going to be joining us. Really looking forward to that conversation here in a few minutes. Before that, there's been a couple things that have happened since we last recorded. The Rams hired a new basketball coach, Talvin Hester from Louisiana Tech, who then didn't last very long. Uh, I don't even think he was here a week before he left for Texas Tech. I guess if the Big 12 comes calling, uh, then we're out of luck. So uh, that happened. But reports are this week that the Rams have now hired Brian Cooley from Wright State. He coached under head coach there, Scott Nagy, for four years. And then previously with Coach Nagy at South Dakota State for four years. So the Rams still have one spot to fill those two vacancies that were left by J.R. Blunt and Dave Thorson so we'll see who fills that that final vacancy there. The Rams Hoops team is also bringing in a transfer in Baylor Heb. He was a top 25 recruit out of Colleyville High School in Texas in 20 in the 2019-2020 season. Uh, he played sparingly for Loyola Chicago, but this coaching staff is really high on him. Uh, they they recruited him out of high school, they knew him well, and uh when it when he entered the portal Coach Medved and and staff went after him. And and I know we're all looking for that uh, stretch four kind of player and uh, someone to give us a presence inside. But uh, when you get a guy like this that the coaching staff likes, they they went after him. So we'll see what happens from here on out. But uh, we also have uh, an addition in football. Uh, Coach Adazio added Boston College quarterback transfer Matt Vilecki, who in... uh, I guess he'll be a redshirt sophomore. He's got three years of eligibility. He appeared in only six games at BC, mostly in garbage time. So it's tough to tell, you know, what, what he will bring to the table. Uh, but I do know that he will bring competition. He'll bring depth in the quarterback room, which is important. So right now you had Todd Centeo, uh, You have a, a walk-on. You've got a couple freshmen that were in, in camp in the spring. Uh, so they needed another body. They needed a guy that could push – Todd's entail. It doesn't sound like from any of the conversations that I've had or have heard, uh, related, related to the quarterback situation that the two young guys that were in camp, the two quarterbacks, the two true freshmen who enrolled early doesn't sound like they're really realistically going to push for a starting role there. Uh, so you bring in a guy who does, who has played some college football. He's been in a program for, for, uh, this would be his third year now. So, um, Hopefully, he does push that quarterback position and bring uh, bring something to the competition and elevates the, the play there. Uh, one other note is uh, I saw that uh, Senior Cerveza on the message boards uh, mentioned that there was the border war from uh, last fall, last November, available on YouTube and uh, reminded me that I still have that on my DVR. And it's funny, it's one of the few games that I have on my DVR, which is sad because I record every single game the Rams play and then I record them. I'll, I'll download them. I used to download them all to VHS and now DVD or, or whatnot, but um, I probably, I, I've kept all the best games that I've ever watched, you know, in throughout my history of being a Ram fan. Uh, but in the last five years, I've probably kept maybe five of those games total. It's just been a, it's just been a pathetic era these last five five years or so and, and beyond even. Uh, but I watched that, that game and, and, and I watched that Wyoming border war game and, and the way that the defense played in that game, I, I think they're going to be even better than they were last year. I'm just excited. It's one thing that gives me some optimism for the fall You know, good defense can set the tone, can make all the difference in a program. You know, if that offense can run the ball a little bit, be somewhat efficient on offense, minimize turnovers. I think this defense can actually win us some games. You know, they got to figure out how to put up some points. But, you know, just in that game alone, you know, a couple key turnovers early. I think in the first two possessions that Wyoming had, one was a pick pick six on the opening possession, uh, which definitely set the tone uh, and then uh, a fumble recovery on the next possession that led to a touchdown as well. So um, I, I'm very excited to watch how this defense um, evolves here after, with that at least four games under their belt last year and some of these new components that have come in and, and showed in, in just four games that they are formidable. Um, so uh, before we bring in our guest today, let me encourage you to treat yourself to Mighty River Brewing Company they have 15 beers on tap, including the Chili River. It's one of their collab beers with Matador Mexican Grill in Fort Collins. It's a strawberry jalapeno ale. Really, really good. I was enjoying that during our last podcast. Uh, you can enjoy that and all their other beers for $5 on Mondays and Tuesdays. And uh, the rest of the week, they've got food trucks regularly. Uh, they've got music on weekends. Just stop in and say hi to Dan Miller. He's a longtime Ram Nationer, a great CSU Ram fan. And don't forget to show Ram Nation on your phone when you're there and get a dollar off your beer. So support these guys. Great guys. It's a great business. Great beer. Great atmosphere. You will love it. You will not be disappointed. All right, let's bring in former CSU wide receiver David Anderson. He was inducted into the CSU Hall of Fame in 2017 after a great career from 2002 to 2005. He set the school record for receiving yards 3,634, which lasted until 2015 he also held the school record for receptions in a season until 2014. I guess it was Rashard Higgins that that. Yeah. that. you're number one in school history with 10 res- touchdown receptions in a season in 2003. Uh, you were an all-conference wide receiver twice. You led the Mountain West in receptions both in 2003, 2005. You were part of that conference championship team in in uh, 2002. That's 19 years ago, by the way, man. I can't believe that's the last one we've had. He was selected seventh in uh, in the seventh round of the two thousand six NFL draft by the Houston. I Tech. wish it was seventh.
1: Come on now, seven, let's seven pump it up. Good, huh? Seventh
0: overall pick. Seventh overall. David cost Anderson you a lot of money Colorado to get State. me on this podcast. If I was seventh, <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we'd be hitting you up for some cash right now. Uh, so, uh, spent six years uh, before ending your, your pro career. Uh, you. Had a stint uh, with with the Broncos and with Washington. Played 67 games in the NFL. Now you're back home in California. Founded and uh, co-founded a sports and tech lab called Breakaway Data. It helps sports properties, athletes, teams, associations understand and incorporate monetized data and technology. Uh, so we'll ask you more about that. But Dave, I know you're busy. I know you got a meeting to run to here in a little bit. But great to have you. Thanks for joining us and squeezing All the right. in.
1: Moved it around.
0: we got to talk some Ram football. I've been missing this. Uh,
1: I, I definitely uh, ha- haven't been as uh, up to date with the program lately as, as, as I want to be with all the coaching changes and things going on, but excited to talk some Ram football and catch up with you fellas.
2: We're excited to have you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Really
0: excited. You bring us back to the good old days of Ram football. What, what have you been up to lately? Tell me about uh, your company and what you guys do, first of all. Yeah, so let's see. After uh, Fort Fun.
1: Just like you mentioned, had a nice stint in the NFL, which I actually got to uh, live and enjoy professional life with some other Rams, Joel Dreesen, Mike had Bradley Van Pelt. I have some great Cecil uh, Cecil Sapp in the NFL stories if if we have have nine hours to talk. Um, And then uh, finished uh, ball, went back to graduate school um, and got my MBA in data science. Uh, I, I always knew I wanted to go back to school. I didn't know if I would be thought i'd do something in media technology i've kind of always been a bit obsessed with that thinking back to what got me into this like my high school days i was the one burning cds and putting together clipping movies and doing all that stuff i was one of the first to have a kind of a high-powered computer of, of my friends so i um, kind of always been obsessed with tech and and, uh, and media and stuff like that and i was good at data because my, uh, well, I think because my dad's an engineer and he was uh, kind of beat math into me. I was a pretty good math student. So I just kind of took all those loves and slapped them all together. Um, I ended up working with a startup called Second Spectrum out of grad school. Second Spectrum is a, uh, another sports analytics uh, type company. They do all the tracking data in sports. So now um, every sport, uh, you know, every professional sport, is, they essentially track their athletes. Um, you know, some people like to call that GPS, but with the, those other leagues, it's RFIDs off your pads, or computer vision, it gets pretty high tech. My job was always to simplify it for fans and coaches and players, right? If you think about sport in general, it's about creating space, a James Harden step back. Uh, Dave Anderson route uh, Bradley Van Pelt uh, running running someone over uh, running a CU buff over on the way to his end zone it's about creating space and how well do you do that that is a measure of your ability to, to essentially on the football field and so um, we uh, help people use data to better analyze space and when you think of it like that we could analyze play pretty well and so we were able to give teams back a good uh, resources and analysis of, of play and then started doing that on my own. So that's what Breakaway Data's thesis is, is basically helping teams and athletes uh, and uh, media companies better understand and integrate data, right? The, uh, it's, it's gotten big with gambling and all that stuff now appearing on screens and um, you now tracking data. And you see, you know, I think, what was it yesterday? Bryce Harper got thrown out of the games because uh, someone ran out of the base path and they showed the track that the guy ran. Like that's all the data stuff that we uh, work on. The goal is to always make it as seamless and hidden as possible because no one wants to sit here and talk about you know R squared and uh, deviations from the norm and bar charts. That's that's the boring stuff. But when you can do cool stuff in sports and broadcast, that's when it gets fun.
0: That's really that's fascinating. I I know your your company is pretty young. I mean, you you just uh, then you just start.
1: Right in the middle of COVID, best right time to start COVID. a company. Right. Yeah. Right. So, of course. Are you,
0: have you, uh, do you start working with any clients yet? Or are you still rolling? Yeah, we have a couple, we have a couple clients. Um,
1: we, uh, a couple that, uh, knock on wood, don't want to say anything yet in, in the collegiate uh, football space. Uh, you know, our first client was basically the LA Dodgers. Um, and, uh, that's been going really well. We've been doing some teams in European football. The whole idea around this data and how it's used data needs time. And so the more time you can give it, the more likely you are going to have good results. Um, And so you need development time and the NFL, they don't develop players. They draft players. Uh, NBA is kind of similar. They do spend a little time developing, but college football, uh, Major league baseball and European football are the, are the three places where you really develop your athletes. So, um, we're going after those three spaces. Um, soon, hopefully soon we'll work with Colorado state. Maybe you guys can hook me up with a, a couple of people that talk to you. I've been talk, trying to talk to everyone. It's not the easiest place to get into it for an old Ram these days. You'd be surprised.
0: Well, that's not good to hear. I, I was going to say, you probably have a lot more pull in there than, than we do, but, uh, but that seems like a no-brainer to to get in there and, and use your technology and and uh, to to help our football program get a little better. Um, I'd love to.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, I got to get to know that just like I mentioned, been a little detached. I got to get to know the coaches and stuff like that. Otherwise, I probably just look like some random accountant walking in there selling some selling some data sizzle.
0: <laughs> Us fans know better, brother. Uh, so. <laughs> I I was looking, uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn, which was cool. And and that's kind of how I got the background here on on your new company. But uh, this, it looks like you really took advantage of this NFL business management and entrepreneur program, Um, went to a couple different schools um, while you were in the NFL and after the NFL. And then you went on to get your MBA from um, USC, the Marshall School of Business. So um, did you, uh, did you know that you wanted to always kind of start your own business? I think I
1: had, I always had an interest. Um, I, uh, had ideas and visions of stuff I wanted to do. I think the hardest thing a lot of times when you're a first time entrepreneur is to pick what lane to go in. You kind of like pick this broad topic to start off with. Cause you, there's nothing super specific, or at least there wasn't for me um and so i wanted to go back to school to, uh, you know educate myself on what i should and shouldn't know that was basically my whole purpose and to think of it you know i did go to uh, a good college but I, I you know anyone that says like good old, what was it bradley van Pell, i major in football it's kind of true uh i majored in football i wasn't putting together business uh Business plans and writing formal emails and that stuff. So I, I it took me a little while to get back in that group, especially in the NFL. They don't, they certainly don't teach that either. So uh, yeah, I went to those those BME, they're called BME programs, business management and entrepreneurial. Did some of those and uh, really kind of I loved it and was like, well, I'm gonna go back to school
0: full time as soon as I'm done. Good for you, man. So speaking of the NFL, um, you know, spending six years, six plus years in in the league. Uh, primar- primarily for the Houston Texans, um, pretty darn good stint. Uh, when you look back, do you look back fondly? Do you do you have any frustrations with, you know, kind of not getting a shot, as much of a shot as you wanted to, especially with the Broncos, where we we were really hoping that would turn into something as uh, with our our local uh, childhood favorite team. Um, yeah. And, you know, we talked to, we talked to players, we've talked to players in, on this podcast in the past and, you know, they talk about how ruthless the side, the, the business side of the NFL can be. What was your experience? Um, you
1: know, like I, you, you need a lot of luck. You need a lot of luck. And sometimes uh, you're, it, some of it runs out. Some of it comes at the wrong time. Um, sometimes you're not ready for it. Uh, I would be the first to say I was not the most talented player at Colorado state. There was guys that were more athletic than I was. There was, there was guys that uh, just ran into a little bit of uh, unluckiness, right? They either got hurt at the wrong time or, or they didn't perform when the, under pressure in a, in a situation here or there. Um, and I did, and I, I'm not trying to take away from anything that I worked hard to get, but at the same time I recognized that there, there was a little luck in, in that part of my career. Um, and then, you know, we were, Kind of at that period in the Mountain West where we got a lot of love. Um, we're, we're still the Utahs, the BYUs, and um, the, that whole the Mountain West was a force, kind of to be reckoned with. We were right on that kind of Power Five cusp. Um, the um, the NFL career, I would say, yeah, you know, if if. I, w- I would be in-, in vogue right now short white wide receivers uh, everyone wants one of them uh there it wasn't that uh wasn't that fashionable back then you know there's uh the Colts had uh, a, a slot receiver Drew Brees had a slot receiver Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing yet so there was no slot receiver in Green Bay uh Brett Favre still running around with you know the reds on the outside um and uh Phillip Rivers was wasn't really getting going yet so like All those quarterbacks as they became veterans and started throwing the ball on first down and wanting three receivers on the first uh, on first down. um, That's when my career was ending. And unfortunately, that's uh, so I kind of missed out a little bit there. It would have been nice if if there was one regret I had. It's my uh, I actually should have gone to the Broncos sooner. It uh, I was signed as a restricted fee, free agent my third year. Uh, I was the only restricted uh player signed that year. Um, and the Texans get to match, so the Broncos signed me right when they got uh, Josh McDaniel. Um, I would have been on that team. Uh, granted, we would have lost and I would have been Josh McDaniel would have been fired, but I would have ended up I would have been part of the West Coast Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan tree. But also the Josh McDaniel, Bill Belichick family tree. And that would have really kind of exposed me to some interesting opportunities. I could have been maybe on the Patriots or maybe some of those other teams where all the Patriots uh, fellows go to. So I would say that, that that's where I missed out a little bit. But, you know, yeah, there tons of regrets. And you always want, you always remember the bad plays, but six years isn't a bad run.
2: So during your time in Houston, you, you played for Gary Kubiak who is the father of, of two of your former teammates. Um, you played with Dexter Wynn, you know, former Ram alumni. Dexter Wynn, Mike Russell, Joel Dreesen, uh Jesse Nading, and Cecil Sapp. What was it like to have so many familiar faces in the locker room? And did that help with your adjustment uh, coming into the league?
1: 100%. I think um, my career took a turn for the better when Joel Dreessen came. Uh so Joel was on the Jets and then got cut after his rookie year and was out of work my whole rookie year and then got brought to the Texans um my second year. So what people don't know is that like Joel had a year off of football in the early part of his career. He had a great career but he had this one gap year. Um he came and quickly reminded me that like this is nothing is given to you here. You better outwork everybody. Um you know because you finished your first year in the NFL and you feel pretty proud of yourself. You feel like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, like, 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 like it's like college, like you're guaranteed earn four years or something. And he was quick to say, like, I thought the same thing and I was cut the next year and I didn't play. Um, and so I think my, I started taking the game um, a little more serious. I started paying more attention to um, my particular reps in practice, uh, and practice and certainly learned a lot from him about the off the field, the way to the best way to prepare yourself. I would say in terms of locker room, yeah, having some familiar faces in there certainly helps shortcut the, the locker room learning curve. Cause there are certainly in college, um, you walk in and everyone's the same age, interested in the same things walking around campus. You see them all the time, but in the NFL, you know, Mark Brunner was my locker mate. He was, you know, 35 years old had three kids. One was seven years old. I'm 22. And I'm like, I don't even know what that life is like. That's a, like I don't, after practice, your world is completely different than mine.
2: So you brought up Cecil a little bit earlier. Did he have that gold uh, like late seventies boat? Cause he lived not too far from me in the tech center here in Denver. And I used to see him all the time. So I'm wondering if he brought that with him to Houston.
1: He had the doo-doo
2: brown with the peanut butter guts, actually. He yes, had the, yes. uh, the the he had brown-on-brown brown cutlass.
1: Um, yes. That is a famous – uh Cecil came roll, rolling up my – I think it was my junior year when he was signed with the Broncos, and I was like, brown-on-brown. Brown. He goes, you know, I, I can't do a Cecil impression, but don't you dare call it. That is peanut butter – peanut butter brown or uh, doo-doo brown with the peanut butter guts and i'm like that is a fucking great description of that car so i always laugh about peanut, uh, doo-doo brown with the peanut butter guts that's, that's car.
2: awesome yeah i used to see them all around the tech center back in the day so that's that's classic yeah sap
1: sap was sap was another one of those guys right that like to me, when my my freshman year, so he was a senior, he was he was an idol, right? Like, he was loved. They always talked about how hard he worked and how amazing he was. And he would do- single-handedly dominate football games. And then, you know, I saw him come to the Texans, and it was like the guy was a shell of himself because he had just been cut and passed around the league, and he's going to have to make or break it on special teams. And I was like, you know, it's tough. Because everyone – when you're when you're in high school, you're the best player on the field by far. If you're going to play in the NFL, you're typically the best player on the field by far, unless there's other NFL players on the field. Um, when you get to Division One, you're probably still the best player on the field, uh, if not one of the best. And you're a career record breaker or you're all conference or whatever, you get to the NFL – That's all that's all there is left. There's just record breakers and and all Americans and Hall of Famers like that's all like that's there's only 11 spots on the field. There's not a roster of 100 of us on scholarship. You got 53 guys. You have 28 spots on offense. Basically, it's just good luck. And so like you're like, oh, you mean this guy doesn't graduate in four years? Like, no, Andre Johnson's going to be here until he can't run. So he'll be here for 10 years. And it's like, and there's no extra scholarship spots that are going to open up. So, like, you quickly learn, like, I better get in or fit in because it's – there's there's no other option.
2: Nice. So, before is like an everyday term, Um, you went viral (laughs) when uh, you were playing with the Texans. You caught a touchdown, and for your celebration, you uh, broke into the Conan (laughs) O'Brien intro dance. Um, Did you expect that kind of reaction that, that you got? And, and what did, and did Conan reach out to you about that?
1: It's funny. I, that's like, I always tell people that was a master plan of a lot of touchdowns that I was going to have in my career. The problem was not, I didn't have, a I had a, not a lot more touchdowns to, to dilute that one uh, touchdown, but yeah, the uh, I would say, the I was always a Cone O'Brien fan. Whenever I would kind of sneak away from my mom in high school, I was always watching Coney and I was a big fan of his kind of like vaudeville kind of sense of humor. Um, and he, I remember, I think he had like Donovan McNabb on when I was at CSU. And he's like, Don, it was like after Donovan won like MVP of the league or something like that, or they're about to go to the Super Bowl. And he was telling Donovan McNabb, Hey, after you throw a touchdown, you should do this dance. And Donovan's like, no, not a chance. And I was like, if I score in the NFL, I'm going to do the dance. And so that was my first touchdown. We were losing like 35 to seven. And so I was like, it's probably not a good time to dance. (laughs) And so I had to wait a whole nother year. And so I scored another touchdown. Um, And then I did it. I did it then. That was my second year. And yes, Conan's people did reach out to us. But because the game was on Sunday and they were gonna to try to get us on there Monday. I would have had to fly out Monday and miss practice. And I, they said they can push it to Tuesday, but they're like, "No, nah, no thanks." So I've I need to revisit that because now he's retiring. I actually need I need to get that. I need I should get on Conan somehow. That would be great. I was the only player to ever do his dance. That's gotta be that's gotta be something in the history right? books, right?
0: That is that's in the history books for sure. Yeah, and you, and you had, had it to down
1: to a T. Oh, I had practiced it. i had practiced. It. I had a bunch of different ones. You know, I did a lot of dancing in the preseason. This it doesn't. No one ever watches the preseason. I had a, I had a rock star. You know, when a rock, uh, when a rocker, he swings the microphone, he kicks out and does his hair. I had one of those that was really good. I had the Elf dance from, uh, from Elf when he does yeah. the the Russian dance. I had one of those <laughs> ones that was really good. I had. Um, I had like a frit a, a fake breakdown dance dance. It was pretty funny with Jacoby Jones. Yeah. We had a lot of them just, you know, no one watches the fourth game of preseason. So <laughs> I don't even think it's on tape anywhere.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. You are always a class clown, man.
1: <laughs> I didn't mind how, you know what? Like, I think it was important. It's kind of been a staple in my life. It was always even been important for me to do something that I love and that I enjoy and that I have fun doing. Um, and like my way of showing fun was just like physically showing that I was having a good time. And a lot of that ends up being something that's a little more laughable. Uh, but like, yeah, I, the, the enjoyment that I had from playing football is is it's, you know, I don't think that I'll ever, when you talk about regrets, you're like, man, I wish I would have enjoyed it a little more. Cause it's uh it's, it's quick to go.
0: I think I remember you speaking of having fun on the football field. I think I remember you and I, my memory i'm getting old and my memory is fading but didn't you score touchdown against wyoming and pretend like you were holding the boot and you were like bobbling it a little bit as you scored it and then is that am i is that right yeah i did that i
1: did that because that, you couldn't <laughs> do any you couldn't do any dancing back then you can do any so like now they can they'll give you like a little but yeah i scored it and like pretend that we were because dro- they said that we dropped the boot or something i forgot you're right and then the before the so they beat us and they stormed the field and they had the boot from my sophomore year. And then my junior year, we beat them. And I remember the clock hadn't run out yet. There was like four seconds and I go sprinting over there and their ROTC is like locked in arms. And I remember pointing at the clock, like, like a third grader (laughs) and they all look and I jump over them. Cause there's still like three seconds as I jump over them and grab it. Like I'm like fully horizontal over the <laughs> Wyoming ROTC and I just snatch it. And like 10 teammates just barrel into me and we knock like all the ROTC guys out of the way and grab it. Like, I don't know if there was supposed to be some formal presentation of them handing it back over, but I was like, give us that stupid boot back. No, not, like, any- you gotta... not anymore. Everyone just goes and grabs it. Yeah. I was like, that's, uh, I hate those guys. I still hate Wyoming. I still hate, I hate CU. I hate Wyoming. Air Force, I was indifferent about um we we always had a good matchup with Utah. Remember those, those, those were remember we had a four we beat them uh, fourth down uh, on the yeah. one yard and line. Yeah. We the, had goal had line ep- the goal line
0: stand. The goal line we had some epic battles with Utah. Yeah, epic. And then they somehow go on to the pac 12 and we we falter. So yeah, speaking of that, I mean you look at Utah and what they've done with their path, you know, worked their way into the Pac-12 and CSU, meanwhile, hasn't won a conference championship since you were a freshman in 2002. You know, I have have you, and you said you haven't really kept close tabs on the program, but are you surprised that CSU hasn't had very much success since your playing days? I mean, we really haven't come close to sniffing a league title since uh, I guess you could say 2014, but are you surprised by that? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. Um, it's a
1: easy place to recruit, in my opinion. If you can get a kid on campus, you'll get them there. It's such a beautiful place. Uh, the Mountain West, in terms of facilities, in the Mountain West. When I was there, we were at the bottom of the league. Now they're easily at the top of the league. Um, I think they've gone. It seems like you know. I I followed them from the, the Lubick to Fairchild transition. And then McIlwain brought a, did a good job reaching back out to NFL alumni and getting us to come back again and kind of like talking and training on campus. So I remember training with Rashad Higgins and stuff like that as they were like, I think he was just like a sophomore, junior. I can't remember, but we were like running routes and doing that whole stuff. That is a type of community that CSU needs to continue to filter is, is the old teaching, the, the, the new and the, and the alumni coming back and not just like the old alumni that, you know, still think their era was the best of CSU football, but like guys that are playing in the league need to get back on campus. And, 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 and that's, those are your best recruits. Like, Hey, yes, you can come to Colorado state and get a free education, but you can also go to the NFL. Look at all these guys we have, right? Like it's a failure of CSU. If they're not getting Higgins and Gallup and uh, all those guys, I mean, that's uh, uh, it's the the other big tall receiver that played for Miami last year. Like Preston get all Preston, get all those guys on campus and just kind of like constantly give them stuff and have them wearing CSU gear out and about and like those are your best recruits. Um and it seems like CSU shifted a little bit from recruiting west coast to more of the south with McIlwain. and so that's why I kind of lost a little touch cuz no one was recruiting my area anymore. Right? When I was when I was uh, in high school there was a lot of guys from Southern California going to Colorado State and stuff like that. We I don't I don't I don't I haven't seen a lot of SoCal guys going there lately. I know they got back to it a little bit, um, but that used to be a, a hotbed for Colorado State, and it's kind of gone away a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I, we, I hope that Adazio. I, I've seen a lot of good things out of him so far. It's I don't I've had very minimal interaction with him in person as far as you know gauging him but i think he's the type of guy that wants to tap into the past i hope that's the case i hope they start bringing guys like you back into the fold and and recognizing the the heritage of our program um i, I know that i have you been to you actually you came to campus in 2017 for the hall of fame induction right so you got a chance to see the facilities oh yeah, got to
1: yeah see the stadium uh i mean it's gorgeous uh i got to see um the new you know the weight room and everything they have going in there it's 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 first class you know what i mean it's it's uh if you get a high school kid on campus it's just as good as um you know power five schools in a lot of ways better than some um so you you gotta you gotta land them and to be honest like csu always had an edge in recruiting with coach Lubick and the, and the, and the, um, legacy that he brought, we were willing to be different. We were on Thursday night football when no one was, and then everyone was doing that. So like, how can they get back to that era where they're, they're willing to be a little different willing to stand out. You know what I mean? That, that, that I think is a key to Colorado state. That's certainly what attracted me is like, You know, I remember Coach saying, hey, you can go to Northwestern and your friends will never see you play unless they fly to Chicago, or you can come here and your friends will see you play every other Thursday. And I was like, "Hmm, that sounds like a good idea. On TV all the
0: time. Yeah. So kind of want to talk about your playing days with CSU. And and when I think back, I mean, man, you were part of some amazing Rocky Mountain showdowns, and unfortunately – 3 of them did not go well. That first year your your freshman year it was a great great win at at the new uh Mile High Invesco Stadium. Yep. Uh, but that 2003 game was probably one of the best college football games I've ever seen. And unfortunately yeah. we lost. You had 142 yards, a touchdown. Um there was a lightning bolt. Um yep. Platt just uh in Jeremy Bloom, I think it was, uh caught a pass late in the game, but uh what do you remember about that game? And then and then subsequently you had, you know, two more games, you had to go to Boulder It was a weird scheduling thing where you had to go to Boulder two years in a row after that. And those yeah. were just two crushing losses too, because they were uh, right at the buzzer. I think one of them might've even been overtime, but one was yep. the, the, the goal line game. So yep. what do you remember about those? They're
1: all pretty depressing to be honest. <laughs> um, yes, they were. The, this, my sophomore year, What's always tough about that game was the beginning of the year, and for us, it meant a little bit more than Colorado. So for them, it was a sense of relief uh, if they beat us. But for for us, it was relief and joy, right? In that, like, hey, we're we're a good team here. We're beating, you know, at that time, a Big Ten team and then a Pac-12 team. Um, so like, it really gave us a lot of um, uh, a lot of gas in our tank. You know, my freshman year after we beat them um my sophomore year what i remember is that game finally the college football game finally kind of clicked in like kind of like that matrix type of thing where the game kind of slows down in a way and that you know my freshman year i was just running around and i was fast enough to where i could play the same speed of it as everybody else but then my sophomore year i remember it was a it was a packer route which was basically a deep end and I, th- I thought to my snap, I thought but, but so before the snap, I was like, okay, I know what coverage it is this. And I was confident that I knew what coverage it was. And I take off running. And then I'm like, I'm going to stem him outside and I'm going to step him outside and he's going to move out there and I'm going to run in. And I'm going to be wide open. And I'm going to catch it. And like I'm going through this as I'm running the route and it happened just like I said it to myself. And like, I was like, Whoa, like that's, the game had like slowed down at that point as then, like I knew it was going to happen before it happened Um, and that was just kind of, I would say one of the kind of the cooler moments of my career where it was like, okay, now I'm going to go, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go dominate college football was kind of my plan from there on out. Um, the game itself. Yeah, it was, it was a weird game because we had to go back in because that lightning bolt thing, then we had to warm up again. I remember they were in those all whites. Uh, Jeremy Bloom had a catch over my good friend, Ben Stratton. Um, that was lucky as all can be. They still had a couple other plays that they made in order to get in field goal range, and they kicked the field goal and win. Then, yeah, the next year, the goal line stand, or maybe it was field goals again. We lose by. I mean, Mason Crosby. I used to see him in the NFL a couple of times. I told him I hate him. Like I hate. I just hate Mason <laughs> Crosby. Too, yeah. He ruined. He ruined. Ruined my. Ruined my. Uh, CU CSU experience for, for three years running, I think. And then, yeah, then they beat us. Uh, on the goal line stand against Marcus Houston which don't get me started on that one. You know, that was a frustrating that was that was that was as frustrating as losses as I've ever been a part of. you know what's so, even you know what the worst part about that is? If you have if you if they had review I 100% guarantee I caught that ball in the end zone. I know Mike was That gonna was going to be my answer.
2: question. That was going to be so where I was sitting. I was I was literally on the goal line when you caught that I mean, it was straight in front of me, and so yeah. That my question was going to be: Did you score? And yes. If they had a replay like they had in 2005, would it have been reversed?
1: Touchdown! Touchdown! 100 touchdown! I'm I'm positive because I remember getting my feet in and then catching and bringing the ball back to cross the plane, right? Um, but in my head too, I was like, "Oh, I don't get to, I don't get to the touchdown. We're just going to hand the ball off right here and, and end the game." Because I never. At that point, I never really seen anyone stop. What it was like three three downs in a row, on the goal line. I was like, "Oh, we'll just run the ball to Marcus Houston, who has every reason in the world to run over everyone. If you, even if they don't block someone, and didn't didn't happen.
0: Man, that was that was a gut punch. That. I, and I I I don't miss those games. I was at every single one of them, and and uh, that was that was brutal. Um, so, just what I mean, you beat Cal that year, also. That was a good win. Um, hammered BYU on the road. I was there on the sidelines in that game. That was awesome. Anytime you can put it to to the Cougars and their fans, it's awesome. Uh, you beat a- Air Force that year. Um, I don't remember which game it was. Um, when you did that little uh, the the bronze boot fumbling thing when you scored, but you did beat them twice in a row. Um, When you look back, what were some of your best um, game memories, I guess?
1: Yeah. Make sure I get the right. Can you guys hear me? Well,
0: yeah.
1: Okay. I would say. I had like a, my mom flew out with her friends on a Thursday night game against air force. I had over 200 yards. I think I had like, 14 catches or something absurd uh, I remember coach Zubik saying do we have to throw the ball to him every play and Justin Holland would be like well if he's open I'm gonna throw him the ball um, so that was that was a pretty epic game I remember um, beating Utah um, still to this day once again wish they had uh, some videotape of it because I made a I made a catch in the end zone where I'm pretty positive I have my feet down and I reached I reached back like this I was getting tackled by Eric Weddle. And I caught the ball behind my head and my neck like this and then rolled over it. And I remember the ref looking at me with like wide eyes and he's like, touchdown. And Eric looking up at me and going, no way, no way. And we, we would talk about that when we were in the NFL. Uh, Cause you know, he, he played, he had an Epic career uh, with the chargers and the Ravens. And we, every now and then I'd see him and, be, and we'd, we'd reference that play. Um, I'd say, you know what? Like, you, you, you tend to remember plays or times in the huddle a little more than full games. You know what I mean? I remember like my senior year, be getting pretty sad. Our last home game uh, at Hughes, um, uh, lining up next to my good friends, Matt Barts, Mike Brazel, and uh, whatnot. You want to see? Here's my family. It's my boy. Hello. The next Hi. Hi. Right there.
0: <laughs> good to meet you guys. How old is he? Hi.
1: That's Vigo. He's one and a half. One and a half. So yeah. is that, do you have, is that your only child? No. And then I have another one watching PBS over there. <laughs> just, I had to charge the phone with awesome. done on me. So I had to come back up here and charge. So you got a little, you got a little visitor, everybody. That's um, and then here's the dog. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> that's a French bulldog. Um, I'll tell you, you, you tend to remember those more than more than anything else. Just the times in the huddle, you know, uh, I always laugh. I had a pretty funny story the other day talking about when we, uh, you know, I live out here in Manhattan Beach. It's a pretty big SC contingency and I see Liner all the time. I play with him in Houston and he every now and then reminds me of putting it on us 49-0 to zero at the Coliseum. Uh, I remember we were 42-point underdogs and I told everyone in the world, there's no chance we're losing by 40, more than 42. So if you can send a uh, IOU to... Uh, to Houston, to 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 from McGraw center if you want some (laughs) payback maybe i'll get to that one of these days but yeah that was i I would say you know you're the good and the bad you remember all those things and uh all it takes is a is a smell of an old elevator that smelled like uh you know the whatever the place that we stayed at, you know USC, or a song that you played before pregame, or or a quote a Sonny Lubick quote like you got in the background that reminds you of a couple of those moments.
2: Yeah. So. How about off that? The show? Bar. <laughs> Where was your favorite bar? What was your favorite yeah. bar in Fort Collins?
1: Lucky Joe's.
2: Yeah. They got me die until till
1: I die. Lucky Joe's guy. Still, that's still my favorite bar. Can't go wrong with Lucky Joe's, man. Those guys are <laughs> great. It's a great place. Oh yeah, peanuts on the ground. We always used to. We used to just hover over that. But as soon as you walk in, there's that barrel right there on the right. There's a little table yeah. barrel. That was our spot. We would hover over anyone who was sitting there until they moved normally forcibly or obnoxiously making them move was our was
0: our uh, style. But yeah, that was Lucky Joe's my spot. Did you ever part party with Bradley? Yeah. What was that like? Got to hear something.
1: I was like Varsity Blues is what that was like. It was like out of a movie.
2: <laughs> <That's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got one story. So I'm a school teacher, and, uh, and my buddy my a school teacher. One of our students went to CSU, and they got home from the bars, and someone was passed out in their front lawn. They're like, what the heck's going on? It was Bradley, and so they carried him and put him on the couch. And the next morning, he woke up and was like, "Awesome, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later." <laughs>
1: he, he, he never. Uh, I think I learned from Brad, Bradley that like, there's no reason to feel awkward ever. He he never met a person or a situation that he was uncomfortable with. He he'd, he'd make it he'd make it happen or make it do. He was uh,
0: as good as it gets when it comes to that stuff. Get back on the headset here. Charged up a little. So he he was one of our first guests that we ever had on. When we oh yes, and he he was he was awesome. He I mean he's everyone's one of their favorite players, right? But, um, you know he was your quarterback for a couple of years, or uh, at least uh, yeah, a couple of years. And um, you also had Justin Holland. Bradley probably couldn't make half the throws that Justin could, but you know the guy just had every other trait in the world that made him one hell of a player and you know as a wide receiver what what were the differences between catching balls from those two you had you had uh and, and i know bradley missed a lot of 2003 because of an injured hand and justin played a lot that year but yeah you know going from righty to lefty justin put a little more zip on the ball and, and Mike. i mean this is a different question but mike reminded me off the air that that you also played with caleb haney uh who's yeah spent a good career in the NFL as well. So yeah. um, not a bad group of uh, quarterbacks that you've had to get you the ball in college. Not at all. Yeah.
1: Uh, I got good stories about all of them. So Bradley was a football player who played quarterback. Justin Holland was a quarterback who couldn't play anything else, any other position on the football field. And Caleb was right in between both. Of them. Um, so Bradley would often, what I think I love about him as a quarterback was he would just change the play. Like the coaches would run it. That was back in the day when he had to run in the play. So the receiver would stand next to the offensive coordinator and then they would run it in. They didn't have all the signs and stuff that they do. Now we didn't have stuff on the, on the wrist. So we'd run it in and Bradley would just shake his head and go, Nope. And he'd call a different play and he knew that he had to make it work if he called a different play. So if that, that was be, a, th- those were a lot of his scrambles or his scramble to a big play. So, you knew if he said no, it's going to, he's going for gold. And so if he's scrambling around expect to get open get the ball thrown to you. So there's some, <laughs> my daughter just yelled at me to go in a different room. Hold on. <laughs> I got to listen to the boss. Let me put my headset back on.
0: Don't interrupt her. P- She's watching PBS, man. Don't watch. Yeah, can't, that.
1: can't, can't disrupt Pinkalicious. God forbid, <laughs> Misses, miss an episode of that. Um, so Bradley would change the play, and you knew that like something fun was going to happen, right? You were going to score a touchdown. It was going to be a fifty-yard run, or like you're going to get to, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, uh, clock someone downfield. Justin Holland would drop back and give you the ball. I mean it wasn't if anything, it was coming out early because he didn't want to get hit. So like you could adjust your routes a little bit for Justin and that like you can even cut him a little short and get your head around because the ball's coming with zip. It's coming on time. And it's coming in, typically in a place where you can make a play. Like you, he, he he was getting to the point in his senior year where he could put it in not just throw it to you, but put it in places that allow you to make a play, right? If there's a guy behind you, he put it in front of you. If there's a guy in front of you, he put a slight behind you. you guy low, he put it high, high, he put it low. He 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 would he would get to some spots where he he can do that, which is pretty special. Um, Caleb, I only got to play a couple snaps with him, but I'll never forget. We we're playing San Diego State. Uh, we're playing uh, at Qualcomm, and Justin Hurts gets like knocked out for a couple plays. And the first play, Caleb has a run play, and so he runs the run play. And then the next play, they call they call basically like a smash concept, so like a a hitch with a corner over the top and I'm running the corner and Caleb looks at me and I was like, just throw the ball. Me. He's like, what? I was like, don't It doesn't matter. Just throw it up there. I'll go get it. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah, and it was the complete wrong coverage. He drops back and just throws me the, throws the ball. I was like, well, I called for it. I better go get it. So like, I like kind of swam, moved one guy and then ran, jumped up, caught it and ran for like 15 yards. And the coaches were all like, good job. I guess you like, you threw the ball <laughs> to the wrong person. And and then I'm like, I told him to throw it to me, coach, we did all right. And he's like, all right, whatever. And then we move on. Right. Like, like those, when you talk about memories of stuff, like that's what I remember. Yeah. right. Caleb probably remembers a completely different story where he read the defense and it was a perfect pass and like (laughs) something like that, but I'll be
0: there. No, that's not true. Uh, That's that's so good. Did that team, I guess in 2002, 2003, did they have more talent or was it, BVP kind of helping put the team on his shoulders a little bit and willing the the program to wins or, or was there actual a little bit of a decline there in your, in your last couple of years? We had talent, but we also had depth. So we had, we
1: had, uh, old, old, older players, but younger players like myself, that were the next generation of guys that were in the right positions. Um, right. Like we definitely had, the Brian Saves, we had uh the Pears brothers, and we had Cecil Sapp. We had uh we had good tight end, we had Joel as a tight end, we had Bradley, uh Chris Pittman was a good receiver, Joey Capari was a pretty good receiver. Um, we had good players at every level in defense. Like I meant, Sa- uh, Save. We had Adam Wade, who's a pretty uh, good uh, linebacker, and Drew Wood was a really good senior linebacker. And then we had Dexter, Rhett Nelson, some other guys that could run and play defense. So we had all of your core players. Dexter's also a really good punt and kick returner. So we had everything covered. And then if you got hurt, I could sub in a punt return or kick return. I was there for, like, if Pittman went down, right? So we had guys that fill in. As I went up to my junior and senior year, If we weren't healthy, like, we lost Ben Stratton Stratton in spring ball. I was like, we're screwed uh, because we didn't have, like, a nickel player. Um, We – Adam – you guys don't remember him, but – no, I just totally spaced out on his name too. Um, Adam – something – transferred. Adam – what the heck was his name? Yeah. Wade? Transferred to – yeah, no, Adam transferred to Portland State. One played in the NFL yeah, he for.
2: the NFL for a while.
1: Yeah, I totally forgot. He was my roommate. That's how bad my, my memory is now. Um, uh, the we didn't have really. Hayward. Any, Adam Hayward. Adam Hayward. Yeah. Adam Hayward. There we go. Uh, Adam Hayward. We had Brandon, Cathy. Who was pretty pretty good corner. We didn't really have a lot like we just didn't have a lot of young depth helping us out, and I think that's what ended up getting us getting us hurt uh, there. And I don't know what it was. Um. Certainly the easy answers. we were a little more talented when we were older. And when we won, I think Colorado state was probably a little bit tougher of a place to play back then. Uh, like we were, it was jam packed Thursday night football. We'd make teams nervous. That doesn't really exist anymore. Um, so, it, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it, it's not, f- it's never far from being an absolute gem and a hard place to play and a and they are one good recruiting class away from a 10-1 team. Yeah.
2: So when you, when you arrived, Steve uh, Rebstock had just finished his – a pretty stellar career at CSU, and he wore the number four. Did you ask to wear number four, or was it just given to you?
1: It was given to me. I, I wore one in high school, um, and they're like, hey, we just had a guy leave that was number four. So at that time, I don't think one was available – uh, and yeah, cause Brandon Kathy wanted one and they gave him one. He was in my same class. Um, two was taken. So it was three and I think four was available. Seven was available, which I didn't like. And then the eighties and I was like, I'll take number four. And it just so happened that it was Pete Rebstock. And so I don't think a lot of the teams thought that guy graduated for 10 years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? How, how's he still? How's he still playing? How many red shirts did he get <laughs> right.
1: on that Marcus Houston protocol? He get play six seasons.
0: <laughs> he did. <Right>. He did. <laughs> All right. So I know you're. I know you're itching to give us a Sonny Lubick impression. So,
1: you know, guys, I got to tell you a little story. I was, uh, went out to recruit some some little some bitch out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And been trying to recruit him for three years since his sophomore year of high school. I bring Coach Mick Delaney out there. We're out there recruiting him. I, I, I go to talk to his dad. I tell him how great of a son he has. and he says, "Yeah, uh, okay. I need you to need you to do me a favor. I need you to do me a favor. We love our poor horse. Can you go out there? Can you can you put that horse down for us?" We just don't have the guts to us. if you put our horse down for us, we'll, we'll, we'll send our son to Colorado State. So I walk back into the car. Hell, get Coach Delaney. We, I got a shotgun in the car. Coach Delaney says, what the hell is going on? I grab that shotgun. I say, that son of a bitch isn't going to come to Colorado State, and I shoot the horse. And before I can turn around, Mick Delaney shoots the dog and shoots the cow too.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is amazing you That's you know he told you know us, he
1: he told us that story before i think a big game a big practice on a friday or something and he's he like all right go have a good that practice. story
0: dave he's i heard him <laughs> tell it at multiple events that is like, such a good one and i i had actually forgotten it until you you retold it that is so good
1: i just fucking cry laughing with that he always <laughs> or he tells he used to tell this carol joe story where he got his credit card stolen and it was cheaper for the robbers to have the credit card instead of giving it to Carol Joe. I was like, that's, that's pretty classic. So,
0: oh shit. well, bro, I, this has been so good. Um, by the way, you, Absolutely. Make me, you make me feel really bad about myself. You don't appear to have suffered the COVID-25. I got fat during this quarantine. I don't know what your secret is. I probably work out, but um, yeah, you, you're looking good. Well, man. I still got In and Out in my life,
1: uh, if that means anything to you. (laughs) So I'll, uh, but I, my, uh, my wife's an actress, so they, uh, they keep you skinny because can't, uh, (laughs) can't. they can't gain weight, they can't gain weight, so I got to keep up with her. So that's uh, that's helpful.
2: So you know, Joel and I have In and Out about five minutes from our house now. So
0: Uh, just so you know, Mike, um, on I guess this was Sunday night, I sent my daughter to go pick us up In and Out. The line was like an hour long, so I still have not eaten at In and Out here in Colorado. It's ridiculous. All right, yeah, exactly. so I think
2: I know your answer for this, but since you were in Houston for so long, you had to have had a Water Burger when you were there, right?
1: Uh, I think you know what, like that's never what you really think better. I think an In and Out burger is better. I understand sentimental value more than just the burger. So, like. And the truth is like when people ask me about best burgers, I was like, is you have to put a cap, like, don't forget an In-N-Out burger is less than $5. So like, if like, do you like in and out over Whataburger? That's a good question. Cause the real question is what is your favorite under $5 burger? And mine would be in and uh, All
2: right. That's a great
0: answer. Great answer. Um, all right. Last thing. So man, I, I you, you also spent like a, a short stint with the CSU radio network. That was, I remember that was, that was good. You had a knack for it. You were funny. Good to listen to you. Um, what do you remember about that? Were you with? Um, were you with uh, Rich Berkhamshire or who
1: No, I was with uh, I was with uh, Kevin, Kevin
0: and McGlue.
1: Kevin McGlue, who's still I think he still does the Eagles games, right? Yeah. And uh, z- uh, that was the year they brought in um, the guy from
0: the Channel Seven News, Gary Miller. No, it wasn't Gary Miller. Jerry Schummel?
1: Nope. Brian, no, we've gone through it.
0: Brian Roth, so he's our guy now. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think maybe I got Brian. I think Brian was first year. Yeah. What I what I remember is I remember them asking me why aren't we beating Utah State, and I said uh, because we aren't as good as we used to be. <laughs> and the athletic director came up to me after the game and said, "We don't say that about Colorado <laughs> State," and I was like, "Okay."
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> And that's when you pulled the ripcord, and,
1: and and that's you, I was like, when well, then maybe the radio's not for me. I thought I could tell, I thought I could tell
0: the truth here. Apparently, the truth does not set you free. The truth gets you fired. <laughs> you, you were, <laughs> well, man, you were you were good, and and uh, you can come back on with us anytime. In fact, I'll kick Mike out in a heartbeat if you want to be my co-hosts going forward. So I uh, appreciate it, bro. Thanks, man. Before we go, just a reminder that the Cash Restaurant is now open at Ginger and Baker. Stop in for hand-cut Colorado steaks, Chop killer sides fine wine and top shelf whiskey don't forget to order the banana cream pie which is one of my favorites they've also got the cafe the bakery the teaching kitchen the rooftop open every single one of those spots in that in that facility is spectacular ginger graham has got a great thing going on there at ginger and baker stop on into my favorite restaurant all of fort collins and support ginger and baker thanks everybody for listening thank you michael Very special thanks to David Anderson for joining us. That was fantastic. Have a great rest of the week and go Rams.